are hungry for you, as always. And uh, even as the song said, though the, uh, though the wrong seems often strong, God is the ruler yet. That's really the witness of the church today, especially as the culture gets more and more out of control. We say, though the wrong seems often strong, and Lord, though that even battle of wrong is often fought in our own souls, uh, you're still the ruler. You're in charge. And God, you will win. Uh, at the end, you will get an obedient people who love you, who love your presence uh, from every tribe and tongue and culture and nation. You will get your inheritance. Psalm 2, Revelation, all speak of, uh, and of course, from, from Genesis to Revelation, it all speaks of God getting his due. And so we want to be a part of that, God. We say yes to your team. And where are there those places in our hearts that still say no? those rebel places in our hearts, we say, Lord, will you please conquer us afresh today? Conquer our, dis- our disobedience. Conquer our rebellion. Uh, conquer our wayward flesh because we really do want to stand with Jesus at the end and say, yes, yes, yes. You're my king. You're my Lord. You're my lover. You're my savior. You're my rescuer. And Lord, we all need a fresh redemption today. We all need a fresh rescue today. We need a fresh work of God. So come, Lord Jesus. And as Dan Ashley prayed, Illuminate this word. And Holy Spirit, do things even beyond kind of the intended scope as you often do, Holy Spirit. We give you the full reign to do what you want to do. Bend us according to your will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We had a wonderful Christmas Eve service, and it's actually just because we had so many good things going on there that we didn't quite get to the Joseph story. So it's not that I'm just off on my dates. It's that um, we, I just have... We just got a great word from Joseph that I want to share, which is what we're going to be doing today. So, and thinking about the Joseph story, and I'm talking not about Joseph from Genesis, but Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, I think of this. I think that oftentimes, you and I, we most experience um, the presence of God when we are put in the most unusual circumstances. You and I, we have the potential to experience the presence of God the most when we are put into the most unusual circumstances. And just think about the stories that you find yourself in. And the older that I get, the more I'm kind of surprised at the script that God has written me into. A lot of us didn't plan for life to go as it is happening to us right now. Think of the tragedy in our midst, right? We have, in one moment, eight days ago, this family's life, the Cheshire's Life has been dramatically altered. It wasn't a story that they could have, they didn't wake up Saturday morning and say, wow, this might be a different day. But they find themselves in face of great tragedy. There's one of us in our midst whose family, her cousin just experienced the death of her mother and the death of her own daughter in the same week. Now, who signed up for that? And maybe it's not as tragic as that, But maybe it's just your day-to-day where you think, gosh, how did I end up in this job situation? Or I didn't plan for my marriage to go this way, but it is. Or my parents who are aging, I never thought about how I would prepare for them. How do I help them now as they're aging? Or maybe just a situation with friends. You thought, I pictured things going a little bit differently, but I'm in this tough situation. Few of us really signed up for the script that we find ourselves written into, correct? There's some hard things. And of course, for some, they're very thrilling. You know, I can say from my standpoint, 
you know, 20 years ago as a young college student that was saying yes to the kingdom of God, I really never saw myself doing U.S. church planting. But God had a plan. And I can say I'm so glad five years ago, six years ago, I said yes because I love what I do. And I couldn't have planned this out on my own. God's been very gracious. 24 days ago, the world lost a hero in that Nelson Mandela passed away on December 5th. Now talk about being uh, brought into a world that he probably couldn't have written the script for. He was born in 1918. So as he grows up in the 20s, 30s, and 40s into this unbelievably, really evil system, the apartheid, the institutionalized racism of South Africa. And man, you know, he finds himself, you know, he, he, um, I don't know if you're all aware, but he definitely perpetrated some terrorist acts. He, uh, you know, as a part, as a, as a way of protesting that system, uh, he never targeted people. He just targeted things like communication centers and things like that. But that was kind of the initial response to this crazy, mixed up story that he found himself in. So what counsel? As we look to Joseph, what counsel does God give us regarding being put into very unusual circumstances? Situations that we didn't plan for. Trials we didn't know were coming. What does God say to us? It's with that question we come to the Word. I'm going to ask Katie Miller to come. And why don't we all stand as Katie Miller reads for us Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Let's all stand. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being just man, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear um, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will walk, uh, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until, he had given, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Amen. So, put into an unusual situation, put into a script he didn't ask for, what is the counsel that God gives us, right? So a lot of times, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I think, oh my gosh, I'm the only one going through this. Well, can I just tell you something? I really think Joseph is the only person who has ever gone through this, okay? Verse 18 says, the birth of Jesus Christ took this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found be with child by the Holy Spirit. As far as I can tell, that's never happened, and I don't think from the counsel of God that God's planning to do that again, right? 
So here's a man who truly was totally alone in the situation that he had been put into. I know you feel alone. You feel like your trial is the only one. You feel like your struggle is the one that is hurting the most and people don't understand. But just look to Joseph, okay? <laughs> you got a guy who's been through something really unusual. And then we notice that, now if you're like, anything like me, we get confronted with a trial we didn't expect. We get put into a situation we had no idea was coming. And then we do this. Look what Joseph does. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, this is verse 19, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. In other words, you and me, we kind of figure out, what is my sneaky way out of this trial, right? How do I get myself, just remove myself from the situation? Usually, if you're like me too, my, my planning mechanism goes into overdrive pretty quickly. Actually, the staff jokes about it because once, um, when we first we're at the Y. We, when we started as a church, we were at the Y, and they wanted to, so the staff wanted to play an April Fool's joke on me. Why I didn't figure out on April 1st, it was happening, I didn't, I didn't know. So they had our contact at the Y emailed me and said, I'm so sorry, the Y is no longer available on Sundays. And she, you know, so, you know, I read the first line of the email, and I just start going to high gear. I didn't notice at the bottom of the email, she said things like, because we have you know, flamethrowers and jugglers that need to come and whatever, fire-swallowing people that need to do this. And I, I did read it, like I, my eyes read those words, but it didn't occur to me that this was like just crazy. So, anyways, so I just went into high gear. Actually, the staff got scared because I was starting to solve the problem so quickly. Like I was like, all right, call them. We're going to be here. Because I'm thinking, you know, in three days, we have to have a church service somewhere. We're going to do it. Boom, boom, boom. Anyways, that's just me. Finally... <laughs> Sarah Booth had to, like, let me in on the fact that, you know, this is a joke. Can you just relax, all right? <clears throat> Thank you, Sarah. She's skiing the Alps right now. Lucky her. So, <clears throat> anyways, I go into high gear, right? Do you? When, when, the, when the challenge comes, we just go into, how, you know, minimize the damage mode. How do we keep this under control? Joseph, respectfully, keep his reputation, keep her reputation, keep everything under wraps. Let's move on. But then what's great is, God comes. <laughs> God comes with his plan, right? Then God comes with his thing. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, as Joseph went into high gear to solve this problem, make sure everyone's okay, no one gets hurt, everything's going to be all right, what happens? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Totally new category for him, but there's something that when an angel says it, you figure this is okay, right? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, which means the Lord saves, for he will save his people from their sins. And verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall conceive, that's kind of miraculous, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So there's three main things I want to pull for us today, just three lessons from how Joseph responds that I think are very helpful for us, because I know that each one of us in here, whether it's tragedy or thrill, whether it's the roller coaster ride of your life, or you're in the depths of discouragement and depression, when that thing comes, or when that situation or that life circumstance you find yourself is knocking at your door, we need help. But God gives us help from the scripture today and from Joseph's story. 
And the first is this, and I will walk through a little bit of Nelson Mandela's life as we do this as well. Verse 20, what did the angel say? He said, as all angels do, what's the first thing that any angel says when they come and appear? They say, do not fear. And I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord and pause right now and say, whatever your financial situation is, whatever that marital struggle is, it seems endless because you're stuck in the marriage. Whatever the vocational thing where you're stuck, whatever that unjust thing that happened in your job, God's first word to you is, do not fear. Will you hear him say that to you today? Do not fear. Now, Nelson Mandela was a guy who had a lot of reasons to fear, right? Man, the government wasn't too happy with him. Put him in jail for 27 years. But I love what Nelson Mandela said. He said this. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man, and I'll say the brave woman, is not he or she who does not feel afraid, but he or she who conquers that fear. I'm kind of setting us up for our journey ahead in the Psalms, but of course you'll feel fear. Of course, when you wonder how we're going to make these bills, when here's our situation. Of course you feel fear when you feel like the tunnel is closing, it's endless. How do, we, how do I get out of this situation? But God's word is, do not fear. And there is a way, as Nelson Mandela suggested, there's a way to conquer it. And man, I can tell you, God will lead the way. So just right away, we can bring everything down a notch by just hearing God say to you today, do not fear. That family situation that is so troubling, do not fear. Do not fear. Second thing we hear from verse 21. As the angel is instructing Joseph what to name Jesus, he gives him the name Yeshua, Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. And I was so thrilled when Bill Siegler on Christmas Eve mentioned this part, that the Israelites were looking for a savior politically, but God was coming to deal with the real problem. The real problem wasn't Israel's situation politically with Rome, but the real problem was that you and I are helplessly sinful except that the grace of God comes and visits us. Amen? Does that preach anymore? Does that, does that hit you? Does that hit this culture anymore? Our real problem is our sin problem, and the real solution is Jesus, the Lord, saves. So, again, I, man, I can't think of a better guy to illustrate this than Nelson Mandela. Listen to some of the things he said. Remind you, he was in prison for 27 years. And he says this, until I changed myself, I could not change others. When he defended himself before the courts, before he begun his prison terms, it was in the early 60s, he uh, was an aspiring attorney, and so he decided to defend himself. And he gave his very famous, I'm prepared to die speech, a three-hour speech. But listen to what he says on this issue of what I'm trying to highlight is this man was wise because he recognized that the real problem is the sin problem. And here's how he said it. He said, During my lifetime, I have dedicated my life to this struggle of the African people. I have fought against white domination and I have fought against black domination. I've cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons will live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It is an ideal for which I hope to live for and see released, but my Lord, if it needs be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. It's not just... The white people have a problem, and we need to fix it. 
It's he saw both sides. The white people have a problem and the black people have a problem when all each other wants is domination. The problem is our sinful hearts. Do you hear it? After 27 years of prison, this is what he says on his way out. He says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be a prisoner. That's powerful stuff. That gets me. Because here's a man who realizes the problem isn't the white people who put me in prison for 27 years. Of course there's a problem. But the problem is my sinful heart. And if I don't get my sinful heart corrected, I'm in, I'm in trouble. So again, you and me, when we get into our trial, right? We get into our situation we didn't write the script for. I didn't plan for this. I didn't know this was going to happen. I, this is unusual. We want to get out as quick as possible. But can I tell you what God is after? God is wanting to deal with the sin problem in our hearts. Now, please don't mishear me. God is not the author of evil, right? God doesn't wish anyone to die. He says that plainly in Ezekiel. But he wants all people to know him. So God's not the author of evil. That's the devil, right? We kind of misattribute things, okay? When bad things are happening, it's because of the evil one and our evil flesh. But God is wanting to transform you and me. The real problem is our sin problem. So that has got to be, we want to change our reflexes. What I'm inviting us to do is, as we grapple with the Joseph story, I'm saying when the trial comes, when the thing that's overwhelming comes, we say, God, what are you trying to do in me here? What transformation are you after in my life? Too quickly we want to jump ship. And, and it's right when God's putting his thumb on that very issue that God's trying to change, right? Ooh, my partner, it's her, blah, blah, blah. And God's trying to say, hey, that's you, buddy, that needs to change. I was unjustly treated at work. You probably were. How do you get low? What's God doing? What's he saying? What, what does he want to do through this situation? Okay? Second, second thing here, the Joseph story. First thing is don't fear. The second thing is God, is, he's after your sin. We can just say that. Things going well or things are bad, God's after your sin. He's after my sin because he wants to transform us because he wants to make us look more like his son, right? He does. And he's really dedicated to it, actually. And the third thing we get briefly from the Joseph story is this. So his name will be called Jesus. We got that from verse 21. And then we get another name for Jesus, prophesied by Isaiah, verse 22. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, Nelson Mandela, it's not really clear kind of the, the depth of that kind of personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It seems very much that he was like, I think St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. There's not a doubt in my mind that Nelson Mandela preached the gospel by his life, kind of a Methodist background, some interaction with Jehovah's Witnesses. He gave many Easter morning messages as president of, of South Africa. He gave Easter morning messages that were very much um, recognizing the power of the gospel. Um, but it's, it's really great at this time to tell a story of another man that not too many of us know about. And his name was um, Cassidy. It was Michael Cassidy, actually Dr. Michael Cassidy. Now, Nelson Mandela was in prison through 1990. But starting even in the 70s, Michael Cassidy, a believer, had started getting people together from various races and various denominations to try to work towards reconciliation. Various political parties, races, and denominations. He would take them on weekends, safaris, 
and say, let's hang out together. Let's just listen to each other. Let's hear each other. And even though at the end of those weekends, two sides might say, hey, I don't quite agree with you yet, but I can see why you feel the way you do. Building empathy between the various factions in South Africa. In 1985, five years before the release, where all the political prisoners got released in South Africa, he uh, began something called the, uh, yeah, the National Initiative for Reconciliation. He was getting people meeting together and praying together. And then in 1990, when the prisoners were released, including Mandela, and the whole world was watching. I, these were my college years. So between 90 and 94, the whole world was watching. What will happen to this experiment? We've got a massive group of people with a lot of anger. We've got a smaller group of people with a lot of power and the military. What will happen with this experiment now of, of democracy? But it was Cassidy who, with his team uh, called African Enterprise, that said, let's, let's get people praying together, you know, as he'd been doing for decades. And they held this one particular event where they rented a rugby stadium. And he wasn't, as, as they tell the story, they didn't know if it was going to be 300 or 30,000 people that showed up. But it turns out that 25,000 Christians showed up and were praying. And at the same time as their praying was going on, up in the press box, there were representatives from the three main parties. Of course, there was ANC, um, Mandela's party, the African National Congress, and I've forgotten the, the other two names, but they were meeting. And it was at that point that uh, guys from Cassidy's kind of um, group presented a peace plan. They, he gave to them, those representatives in the press boxes, here's an idea, you know, kind of see them push the paper towards them. Here's the idea of how we think this thing could work, how we can work towards practical reconciliation. And wouldn't you know that that's the peace plan they started to move forward with once as Mandela got elected in 1994. Why am I saying all this? I'm sharing about Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. So not trying to take away from Mandela's story at all, Nelson Mandela's, but just to say that all the while, there is, you know, the Spirit of God was on the move, longing for this country to have justice and, and longing for the country to be all that it could be in its potential when people would get along, right? And it's because a group of people like Cassidy, we're getting together saying, let's pray this thing through, let's meet together, let's hear from each other, let's work towards one another. Emmanuel, God with us. Michael Cassidy walked intimately with the Lord. Do you know that when you walk intimately with the Lord, you have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God helps you? He is called the counselor for a reason. He wants to counsel you. And it's not just pie in the sky, whatever, theological stuff, but it's in your day to day. And that messy situation with your family members that you just saw unfold three days ago at Christmas, right? Wasn't that fun when the whole drama exploded? Okay, some of you had fun. <laughs> right? God wants to counsel you. When you were offended at work and you're out of this job or that job, God wants to counsel you. When you're wrestling in your marriage or in your friendships, God wants to counsel you. Emmanuel, God with us. He's not just with us on Sunday mornings. We've got the poinsettias and the lights and the great worship team. But God's with you when it's messy in the trenches, right? South Africa was pretty messy, was it not? And God was there. Emmanuel was there giving people like Michael Cassidy knowledge and wisdom on how to proceed. And he wants to do that for you in every situation. Amen? And it's his presence that makes the script awesome. You didn't bargain for it, but it's God's presence that makes the script a lot of fun. 
God spoke to Abraham. He spoke some pretty awesome things. I'm going to make you an amazing nation. Then what does he say? He says, I am your very great reward. Right? Not the fact that I'm going to make you father of a whole multitude, but I'm your great reward. I've mentioned these ladies before, but again, speaking of heroes, my freshman year faith group leader was a woman named Dana. And about 10 years after she was leading my faith group, she found herself in a Taliban prison because she decided a few years earlier that she would do whatever it took so that other people could know about Jesus, which for her meant going to Afghanistan and sharing with Afghanis how they could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Dana and her friend Heather are just sharing Jesus as they did normally when the Taliban came and took him away. And in their book called Prisoners of Hope, you can find it on Amazon, Dana mentions in particular, both of them, but I've just heard Dana share it, mentions how um, them, when they worship the Lord in that Taliban prison, they have never experienced the presence of God like they did in just singing their hymns in that Taliban prison. They've never experienced the presence of God like that. And they got interviewed by James Dobson on um, fam- uh, Focus on the Family Radio. And James Dobson even noticed every time that Dana would just say the name of Jesus, if you listen to the, you can find it online probably, if you listen to that show, James Dobson says, Dana, there's something about every time you say the name of Jesus, there's something really powerful about it. I think the power is because Dana and Heather figured out how to walk with God and how God was their Emmanuel, God with them in the darkest. You know, they were in that prison a hundred days. In that darkest time, they knew how to find God to be their Emmanuel. So the question for us is, and here's really the climax is verse 24. It's a few simple words. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And that's, what's God's, that's what God's asking you today. That's what he's asking me. Will I? When I'm in that script I didn't plan for, when I'm living this story that came to me, I didn't come to it, will I do what God tells me to do? Now, few of us have the benefit of an angelic visitation, but, I, I, but we do have the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said it's better that he goes away so the Holy Spirit could be with us. And I believe In the church, we can pray together. We can find out, what is God saying to me about this trial or that problem? In fact, I'm going to ask Dan, Dash, and the worship team to come. So I want to help lead us through that. I want to just lead us through a time of, God, what are you saying to me? You know, in my situation, what is your command? Everything in me wants to get out. But God, what's your command to me in my situation? What's your word to me in this time? So as Dash and the team... Um, start giving us a little undercurrent here. Let's just pray. And I'll invite you to communicate with the Lord on your own. I'll lead us in some prayer. Lord, here is where Christmas gets real. Jesus, you came to be Emmanuel, God with us because man, we need someone in our trials. We need someone in these scripts that we didn't write ourselves into but we found ourselves written into. These movies that are playing around our lives and all of a sudden we're the star character and we didn't plan for it. A lot of times it hurts. 
So kind of with a holy jealousy at times, Lord, I look at the scriptures and I say, man, Joseph had the angelic visitation. He knew what was required of him. But Jesus, we're taking your word today. When you said the disciples, it's actually better that I go away so you guys can all have the Holy Spirit who's a counselor and he's a comforter and he's the guide. He's the paraclete, the one who walks beside. So I pray even now as certainly different tragedies or different trials, different thrills and different hopes as those things have come to mind by your grace and by your spirit, even in this moment together, Lord, what's your word to us? God, give us the humility of Joseph, who simply did as the Lord commanded him, requiring great faith, I'm sure. I'm sure there are many moments on that ride to Bethlehem that were like, is this really happening? Did I really see an angel? Is this crazy? And yet, Joseph did what the angel commanded him. Lord, what's your command to us today? And even, I'm just reminded of a couple of scriptures. One in 1 John, it says that your commands are not burdensome. So Lord, I, I just even see burdens being lifted off my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, your command is not burdensome. So, Lord, lift the yoke of our own religion and just let us take the yoke of your simple command, whatever it is. And Jesus, you're the one who said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if you're tired or weary, you can come to me and find rest. And so we just do that even today. We come to find rest in the middle of our trials or our challenges or these things we didn't plan for or expect. we find rest. Emmanuel, will you refresh us today with your presence? Will you refresh us today with the sweetness of your presence? Like Michael Cassidy, let us see what the Spirit's doing in a given situation and fight and persevere. Like Nelson Mandela, the hero that he is, let us not give up Let's persevere and let us be not bitter, but better in every injustice. injustice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Joseph story. Let us receive all you have from that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up? We're going to worship together. And hey, whatever God's doing, it would, be a, it would be really a sin, actually. It would be a sin for you to leave church and not have some comfort or some guidance or some prayer. So I'm going to invite Beth and some of the other folks who are typically praying for others. Why don't you guys just make yourselves available here in the sides and, um, or just someone that you're with here in church. If you are not coming up to one of these people, just someone that you came with. Say, hey, can you just pray through this with me? I need to hear what God's saying to me. I need to know what the command is so I can do it. Don't leave without praying with someone.